Shalom. This is Rabbi Tama Davis Hart from Bethel Messianic Synagogue bringing you a message on Amalek. So today I want to investigate some of the end time players in prophecy, specifically Amalek. And the question is, can we follow the Amalekites down through the ages, even to the present day? And it seems we can from two different perspectives. One is genetic, for Amalek's genealogy extends down to the present day, and the other is metaphoric or symbolic. We can, to a certain extent, trace Amalek's bloodline in biblical history and beyond, even to the last great conflagration of Israel in the last days. Our sages and rabbis identify Amalek as the perennial enemy of Israel throughout biblical and modern history. The symbolic Amalek, standing as Israel's perpetual enemy, first surfaces in Genesis chapter 36, 12, and 16. Genesis 36, 12 says, And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. And then in 16, Duke Korak, Duke Gatam, and Duke Amalek. These are the dukes that came of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Adah. Now, dukes are tribal chieftains. Amalek was the grandson of Esau, so you can see how the two names and the names of their progeny became synonymous. Verse 8 in these passages declares that Esau is Edom. This is very important. Historically, we can trace Esau's progeny to several other nations, including the Amalekites and beyond. Esau's progeny must still be alive even today and active participants in the unfolding of God's great plan. For Malachi, the last writer in the Tanakh, opens his prophecy with a clear indication that Edom will be a major player in the days of Israel's final regathering. Let me read his opening words and then later show how Amalek figures into these events. And we start at 1-1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Saith the Lord, Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. The clear word of Yahweh Elohim tells us that Edom, Amalek, is doomed. It also tells us that Edom will claim possession to the promised land. The scriptures infer that Yahweh will allow the situation to progress until he crushes them. In the midst of this drama, it is extremely important to see how Amalek is singled out as the major troublemaker. In Exodus 17, we again counter the tribal Amalek. The scriptures paint him as a wily, ruthless, unscrupulous, and corrupt individual. This intense hatred of Israel brought about by the feud between Jacob and Esau was no doubt transferred from Esau to his grandson Amalek. Exodus 17 plainly shows that the Amalekites lacked courage and did not possess much fighting skill. They attacked defenseless women, children, and the elderly in the rear of the Israeli vanguard. 
They specialized in hit-and-run warfare, attacking on the weak and the stragglers. We see that they harried Israel continually, and Moshe, in addressing Joshua, his successor, instructed him to destroy Amalek. In Exodus 17, 13 through 16, we read, And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And said Yahweh unto Moshe, Write this for memorial in the book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moshe built an altar and called the name of it Yahweh Nisi, that means Israel's battle flag. For he said, because Yahweh has sworn that Yahweh will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now this is exactly why we cannot talk ourselves or sanction anything uh, that will bring any peace in the Mideast between the Palestinians and Israel. It will not happen. In this scripture, the battle lines are drawn. And implicit in this passage is the stark reality that Amalek would perpetually battle Israel, as I just said. Here also we see firmly established in the pages of scripture that in the future, not too far future, I believe, Yahweh Nisi will fight for Israel in its final battle against Amalek. Now I want to jump ahead to the time of Balaam's prophecy, where the Amalekites are seen as agitators and instigators. The king of Moab paid Balaam, a large son of money, to curse Israel, but Balaam, under the power of the Ruach Kakodesh, the Holy Spirit, blessed Israel instead, and in the process he also uttered a prophecy concerning Amalek. In Numbers 24:20, we read, And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. And this phrase, the first of the nations, doesn't mean that Amalek was the first nation in the earth. But Amalek does hold the position of being the first nation to attack Israel. In addition, the word here for nations is goyim, the Hebrew word for Gentiles. So this infers that Amalek is the first Gentile nation in a long list of Gentile powers that would array themselves against Israel. Amalek and his progeny being the preeminent aggressor. In Deuteronomy 25, 18 and 19, Yahweh Elohim instructs Israel to blot out the people of Amalek from the earth. And let me read, speaking of these Amalekites. How he met thee by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about, in the land which the Lord had God hath given thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. Unfortunately, Joshua didn't carry out this directive to destroy all the Amalekites. And in the days of King Israel's king, King Saul, he also failed because of greed. The prophet Samuel brought a message from God to Saul, commanding him to wipe out all the Amalekites. In Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 15, 3, we read, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Now this terrible proclamation is God's attempt to spare Israel centuries of agony at the hands of the Amalekites. They were a decadent and debauched society given to the worship of fertility gods, 
and were so totally involved in religious sexual rights that virtually the entire population was infected with venereal disease. They were not only evil, treacherous aggressors, a source of false worship, but a major carrier of disease. God's order was patently clear, yet Saul failed to execute the responsibility placed upon him, and God took the kingdom away from him. Saul had kept the cattle and goods God told him to destroy, and he also allowed the Amalekite king Agag and his children to live contrary to God's command. Samuel later killed Agag with his bare hands, but the children escaped to live on to plague David during his reign. Now in the spiritual timeline, we come to Esther, and we see that Haman was identified as an Amalekite confirmed by this scripture. And it says in Esther 3.1, After these things did King Ahasuerus, Greeks call him Xerxes, promote Haman the son of Hamadatha to the, the Agadite and advance him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Now pay attention here, for Haman is called an Agagite, a descendant of King Agag. He is a descendant of King Agag, the Amalekite. Now let us examine the view of the ancient Jewish sages. They report that the line of Amalek lived on after Haman and that the Amalekite descendants not only migrated throughout the Middle East, but also migrated north through Persia and into Russia. In the Art Scrolls series on Ezekiel, a commentary teaches that Gog, the ruler of Russia, in the Ezekiel 38 war against Israel in the last days is an Edomite or Amalekite, if you will. We also find in the Jewish commentaries another dimension to Edom that places it squarely in the center of world history. Edom is the last nation and most vicious of the nations named in scripture, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Judaism has taught for eons that Esau, Edom, Amalek, Agag, Seir, Idumea, all are the same people. They are Rome. They are the Catholic Church. Romans are not Italians. They are Edomites. Rome destroyed the last temple of Israel, and we read in Daniel 9, 6, that the prince who shall come is a descendant from the people who destroyed the second temple, and that means Rome. Herod was an Idumean a descendant of Esau, and when the temple was destroyed in 70 CE, Edom then disappeared into Rome. So we must acknowledge that the Catholic Church, Rome, are Edom. Those people are Edomites. And in the Torah, in the book of Revelation, it says where God, God begs the people to come out of her, that is the whore and her seven daughters. That is the Catholic Church and her progeny. In Midrashic literature, Gog, so prominent in the Ezekiel 38 war, is often referred to as Armillus, which is a variant of Romulus, founder of Rome. In Obadiah, the prophet predicts that Edom will be brought down at the time of the day of the Lord. And it reads, Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, Thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Then in verse 6, we see that the identity of Edom is hidden, not apparent. And it says, how are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? Now, interestingly, those nations associated with Esau, Edom, and Amalek employed the eagle 
as their national symbol as Obadiah identified Edom. The Idumean progeny of Esau slash Amalek symbol was also an eagle, as was the symbol of the Holy Roman Empire, the Habsburgs, the Third Reich, and unfortunately other Western powers, including the United States. But that's for another message. Scripture further confirms that Esau, Edom, and Amalek will be cursed with the same curse they wished upon Israel, and Israel will receive all the land God promised to them, the land that Edom has coveted so long. This has not come true to this day, but be assured that it will. In verses 16 and 17, we read, For as ye have drunk, this is referring to Edomites and all their constituencies, upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there will be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now one further observation we must note is that Russian and Iran in Ezekiel's prophecy are Japhetic nations. However, we must not forget that Haman was not a Persian, and he incited the destruction of the Jews using that Japhetic nation and its king as his platform for the destruction in worldwide Jewry. The rabbis teach that the leaders of these nations will be the progeny of Esau slash Edom slash Amalek, but the forces employed will be Japhetic in origin. In our own time, we saw Hitler, who was an Austrian and not even a German citizen, rise to power and rule the Third Reich. Therefore, it should not be a surprise that the opinion of the sages is that the kings mentioned in Ezekiel will be Esau, Edom, Amalekite, but the fighting forces will be largely Japhetic. In the Brit Kadashah, Esau's progeny are the children of the evil twin who disdained and sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. In Romans 9, 10-13, Shaul writes concerning the seed of Abraham and Isaac as, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, it's very important for us to understand that God did not make Esau evil. He simply allowed him to follow his free will choice of lifestyle and motives, free will choice to give up his birthright for food, just as he allowed Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. And unfortunately in Christianity, many clergy teach that the God of the Old Testament was a so-called mean God who did a lot of things that Jesus would never do. Well, let me tell you that Jesus's name is Yahshua, which means God saves, and he identifies himself as God in John chapter 14, among other places. So they are very consistent. They are not contrary to each other. And God is a just God, just as he is a God of love. To Jacob, Isaac gave the covenant of Abraham and the promises of final rule over the nations. To Esau, he prophesied a life lived by the sword and hatred. For literally thousands of years, Isaac's prophecies have held true, as we see even today in Israel. As a personality study, Esau is an open book. 
Scripture paints him as vain, cruel, selfish, jealous, rebellious, and a warmonger. He's driven by pride and the desire to build a kingdom of his own, to be his own God. As we have learned, if ancient Jewish prophecy is correct, the world power, the epitome of evil, the avowed enemy of Israel will be the revived Roman Empire that is none other than Edom. At its head will be the ultimate personification of evil, the anti-Messiah. It is so important for those who are listening, if you are not a true Messianic Jew, a true believer of God, of Yahweh Yeshua, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you seriously consider fleeing from Christianity and Catholicism to the faith system taught by Yeshua himself. So the Santa Messiah will be the last Amalekite of the progeny of Esau who will attempt to destroy the Jews again. In closing, we should consider that Amalek's offspring exhibit the preeminent expression of Esau. The destruction of the Jews as Jacob's offspring, the Jews convey the preeminent expression of Jacob, Abraham. Amen. Shalom ve brachas.